Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Today, James Collins visits with David Bay about the false prophet who is soon to step on the world stage. And Larry Stamm continues his teaching series, Jewish Roots of Christianity. Our Winter Virtual Prophecy Conference is going on right now. You can get access to 12 speakers presenting over 20 different sessions, all online and all on demand. Register today and start watching now through Friday. Visit SWRC.com and click on Events at the top of the homepage. That's SWRC.com and click on Events. Larry Stamm is a part of our virtual and in-person conferences. Today, he is part of our Watchman on the Wall program with the next installment in our series, Jewish Roots of Christianity. Shalom, friends. Larry Stamm here. So glad you are taking some of your time to be with us as we continue our study in the Jewish roots of Christianity. We are in the midst of doing a biblical survey of God's redemptive plan for man from Genesis to Revelation. We are continuing now with our study of the New Covenant. As a review briefly from our last session, We spoke about the Mosaic Covenant and the Davidic Covenant. We talked about the fact that the Mosaic Covenant was a conditional covenant that God made with the nation of Israel in Exodus chapters 19 through 24. We talked about the fact the covenant was conditional, and God gave those conditional blessings and cursings in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and 29. I encourage you to study it out on your own. As we begin our time, I also encourage you, if you have a Bible, please go ahead and grab one as we're going to continue opening up the Word of God, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Mosaic Covenant was conditional. That's why God would give Israel a new covenant, which we're going to talk about today. Last time, we also spoke about the Davidic Covenant, which was unconditional. God promised he would make David's name great and that he would continue David's line and establish his throne to be eternal. I encourage you to read 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8 through 17, where God establishes that unconditional covenant with David. I also encourage you to read Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, in regards to the child who is born, the son who is given, whose name is called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, who sits on the throne of David forever. There is only one throne that is eternal, that's the throne of God, and Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, will be sitting on that throne forever and ever. In today's study, we are going to begin looking at the new covenant, which was an unconditional covenant. God promised a new covenant to Israel and Judah. If you have a Bible, turn with me, please, to Jeremiah chapter 31. We're going to be reading verses 31 through 34. The New Covenant, by the way, I mentioned last time, it's worth reiterating, you and I as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are living under the New Covenant. We are living in the New Covenant economy during this age of grace, the church age. God originally gives this promise, this prophecy to Israel and Judah through the prophet Jeremiah. Let's read it and talk briefly about it. Jeremiah chapter 31 
We're going to read verses 31 through 34, beginning in verse 31 of Jeremiah 31. We read, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Notice this is an unconditional covenant God makes with Israel and Judah. A new covenant, verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Verse 32. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Verse 32 is a reference to the Mosaic covenant also known as the Old Covenant, the covenant God gave to Israel through Moses. Verse 32 continues, My covenant, a reference to the Mosaic Covenant, God continues, My covenant that they broke, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. Verse 33 in Jeremiah 31 continues, But this shall be the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and they will be my God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. So this is a promise God makes with Israel and Judah. That's the prophecy of the new covenant. And through that new covenant, God says he would forgive their iniquity and would remember their sin no more. By the way, today God has not fulfilled that new covenant promise completely because Israel is still in sin. In fact, very few Jewish people believe in Jesus around the world But be encouraged. I want you to know that more Jewish people have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus in the last 50 years or so than at any time in history, save the first century. But the point I'm trying to make is Israel as a whole, as a nation, as a people around the world, the Jewish people reject Jesus as a whole. But as we'll find out, ultimately, as Romans 11 states, all Israel shall be saved. And we'll talk a little bit about that when we study Romans 9, 10, and 11 in just a few minutes. But back to this prophecy regarding the new covenant. This is a future promise to Israel and Judah. And notice, it's a promise specifically given to Jewish people. There's the prophecy. Now look at the announcement of the new covenant in Matthew chapter 26. I want you to turn there. Jesus at the Last Supper, which was a Passover Seder. He institutes communion. He says these words in Matthew 26, verses 26 through 28. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and brake it 
and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. Verse 28, For this is my blood of the New Testament, or New Covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So here we see Jesus announcing the New Covenant at the Last Supper. This should be a good tell for us as the Lord is communicating something very powerful. If you remember, Jesus in the gospel said that I have come to save the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but he also came to be the savior of the world. And under the new covenant economy, anybody, both Jewish and Gentile, would come to a saving knowledge of God through faith in the Messiah Jesus. We mentioned Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6. And Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, in previous teachings in regards to God's promise that the Messiah would be a light unto the Gentiles, that he would be a savior, and that his salvation would be a salvation unto the ends of the earth. As we have said, God's redemptive plan is not about Jews or Gentiles. It's about human beings. It's about mankind. And as I like to say, salvation is not about your Jewishness or your Gentileness. It's about your Jesusness. Do you know him? So Jesus announces the new covenant. When is the new covenant inaugurated? Well, after Jesus ascends, in Acts chapter 2, the church is born. And the new covenant economy is now inaugurated with the birth of the church. Which, by the way, in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost is actually the Jewish feast of Shavuot. So the church is born at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The disciples are filled with the Spirit. 3,000 people are saved that day. Remember all Jewish people. They were saved. They took the gospel to the nations of the world. Remember, people from all over the known world at that time, Jewish people in Acts chapter 2 had come to the nation of Israel and had come to Jerusalem, I should say, and worshiped at the temple. And in Acts chapter 2, during the Feast of Pentecost, Shavuot is the Jewish feast. We're talking about Penta 50th, okay? Shavuot 50th in the Hebrew. So the church was born on the Jewish feast of Shavuot, better known to us as believers in Jesus Christ as Pentecost. So the new covenant is inaugurated at the birth of the church. So we now, both Jew and Gentile, who trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, are living in the new covenant economy. But the ultimate fulfillment of the new covenant will come when Jesus returns, when all Israel is saved, and he establishes what we know as the millennial reign of Christ. This is the millennial kingdom, the kingdom the Lord will establish here on this earth. I take you now back to the prophet Ezekiel. If you would turn to Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 24 and 31. I want to read this section, and I want to talk about where we are in this progression of the new covenant being fulfilled. Remember, given initially as a promise to Israel and Judah, the prophecy is announced by Jesus at the Last Supper when he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
inaugurated at the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, which was the Jewish feast of Shavuot, seven Sabbaths and a day after Passover. The church was born at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And now we see the ultimate fulfillment here in Ezekiel 36 with the second coming of Jesus the Messiah to fulfill that new covenant promise originally given to the house of Israel and the house of Judah, the Jewish people. Ezekiel 36, we're going to read verses 24 through 31. We read in verse 24, God speaking through the prophet, For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. So I want you to understand the progression in God's redemptive history. Israel, judged by God, exiled, dispersed to the utter ends of the earth. They are no longer occupying the land of Israel. Something powerful and poignant happened in 1948. The nation of Israel was birthed again as a nation, the only nation in the history of the world to be scattered across the ends of the earth and to be what we might call born again in a physical sense. So Israel had been in the diaspora, had been in exile. The Jewish people did not have a homeland. And in verse 24, God says, For I will take you, a reference to the Jewish people, from among the heathen, from among the Gentiles, from among the nations, and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Friends, that happened in 1948. So we see the beginning of this ultimate fulfillment of Jeremiah 31 and the new covenant promise. The Jewish people have to be brought back into the land of their origin, and that's exactly what happened in 1948 with the birth of the modern state of Israel. Notice in verse 25, Ezekiel 36, we continue. God says, Then, after you are in the land, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Will I cleanse you? A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will also save you from all your uncleanliness. I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and increase of the field that ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Then you shall remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. And then God says, in the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities and wastes shall be builded. So there you go. God brings them into the land in verse 24 of Ezekiel 36. Then in verses 25 and following, he cleanses them from all their filthiness, from their sin. In verse 26, he gives them a new heart and a new spirit. That's a fulfillment of the Jeremiah 31 promise he originally gave Israel and Judah. So verse 25 or 24 of Ezekiel 36, God bringing them into the land, that has happened. That's a partial fulfillment. The ultimate fulfillment is when all Israel shall be saved, as we learn from Romans chapter 11 and Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 10, where the scripture says, at the second coming, that the Jewish people will see him whom they have pierced and will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And then the word of God says in Ezekiel 12 that God will then give them a spirit of grace and supplication, and they will be saved 
and God will cleanse them of all their iniquities and their sin. He will remember no more in fulfillment of that Jeremiah 31 promise. But Gentiles now under the new covenant economy are grafted in, which we're going to talk about in our next lesson as we unpack Romans 9, 10, and 11. Some characteristics of the new covenant, a better sacrifice and a better priesthood. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14 of Hebrews chapter 10, we find that the new covenant includes a better sacrifice and a better priesthood than the Mosaic covenant. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 11 we read, And every priest that standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins, but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And then the writer of Hebrews goes on in verse 15, And says, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and in their minds I will write them, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now, where remission of sin there is, there is no more offering for sin. So what we see here is under the new covenant economy, we have a better sacrifice and a better priesthood as compared to the Mosaic Covenant, which again, the purpose of the law was to show the ancient Israelites they were lawbreakers in need of a savior, in need of salvation. And that's why Jesus the Messiah came to be the savior, to provide that one-time atoning sacrifice for sins for all who would believe in him. We're gonna conclude our time in the study of the new covenant next time. I've got a few other things I'd like to share about that, but. This New Covenant study is very, very important for us as believers in Jesus Christ. For, as I mentioned, we are in the church age as his people living under the New Covenant economy. But originally, that promise was given to ancient Israel, to the Jewish people, has been partially fulfilled to them in the restoration of Israel being born again physically, you might say, in 1948, the modern state of Israel born in 1948. The ultimate fulfillment will occur during the millennial reign of Christ. Hopefully this has been an encouragement to you, friends. Join us next time as we continue our study of the new covenant. Until then, the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom. Larry Stam's series, Jewish Roots of Christianity, is now a 16-episode television series as well as best-selling book. Order both the complete television series on DVD and the book for a gift of $60 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144 or order this collection online, swrc.com. If you are a new or recent listener to Watchmen on the Wall, make sure you request your free new listener pack. Inside, you will get a look at the history about the ministry, the latest issue of the Prophetic Observer Newsletter, and a free gift. New listener pack. It's free, and it's our way of saying welcome to Watchmen on the Wall. Call 1-800-652-1144 and get your free new listener pack. That's 1-800-652-1144. Another free resource we have available for you is our Moment of Prophecy e-newsletter. Twice a week, you receive encouragement from Dr. Larry Spargimino, 
information on the latest resources, and timely articles to equip you during your week. Sign up today for the Moment of Prophecy e-newsletter. Visit swrc.com or call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Staff evangelist James Collins recently sat down with teacher David Bay to discuss the false prophet who is soon to step on the world stage. Last year, the Vatican announced that a One World Religion headquarters would open in 2022. The headquarters will be called the Abrahamic Family House, and it is currently being built on an island in the Middle Eastern city of Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. When I first heard that story, I was reminded of a similar story from a couple of years ago about a plan to usher in the false prophet and the One World Religious System. Joining me on the Watchman on the Wall to talk about the push for a one-world religion is David Bay. David is the director of Cutting Edge Ministries, and he's also a longtime friend of our ministry. And he's produced a revealing DVD titled False Prophet Soon to Step on the World Stage. David, thanks for being on the program with me today. Thank you, James, for having me. Well, let's talk about the false prophet soon to step on the world stage. This is another eye-opening DVD. You present evidence of a plan to introduce the false prophet. Now, before we talk about the plan, let's look at the false prophet as revealed in Revelation chapter 13. For those who are not familiar with that chapter, just who is the false prophet? Well, the false prophet is the second beast that's presented in chapter 13. He is a religious beast, and he unites the world's religions under his umbrella, and he is their leader, and as such, he leads the people of the world into taking the mark of the beast. He is doing all this on behalf of Antichrist. He is a very important figure in prophecy. The Bible gives us some clues about this false prophet. What does the Bible mean when it says the beast rises up out of the earth? The earth is generally regarded in Jewish prophetic literature as the land, coming out of the land. And the sea is an international figure. So Antichrist will come out of the sea, the false prophet will come out of the land. You talk in the DVD about the false prophet being described as having two horns like a lamb in the Bible. Would you elaborate on that? That's what the Bible says, that he will have two horns like a lamb. In other words, he will present himself to the world as a Christian leader, and he will be accepted as such. But he roars like a dragon. His false presentation to the world as being a Christian leader is the ultimate in the wolf in sheep's clothing idea. The plan to produce the One World Religion was presented to me August 18, 1991, as I was sneaked into a House of Theosophy meeting for members only and one guest. In the DVD, you talk about this plan. It's over 25 years old by the Black Magic Secret Society, the House of Theosophy. The House of Theosophy is a Russian-based secret society created in 1875 by a very black magic dark medium called Madame Blavatsky. They have been front and center in presenting the ideas of Satan and his kingdom. Adolf Hitler and his henchmen during the 1930s attended many meetings of the House of Theosophy. In fact, Hitler got his doctrine of the 
superior and inferior races directly from the house of theosophy. They have a plan. Revelation 17, 17 says these leaders have a plan. It says in Revelation 17, 17, talking about the final ten kingdoms of the earth, they are acting in concert. They are acting in harmony until all of God's prophecies are fulfilled. So they have been quite bold over the years in the portions of the plan they've written about. God has brought people into my life that have been former members and said, this is a book you need to read, this is a book you need to read, and I was greatly blessed. This House of Theosophy meeting, the New England director told us all that at the right moment in history, the Roman Catholic Pope, whomever he is at the time, will step forward and he will go to a combination worship center of the three monotheistic religions, and he will dedicate that new center, and he will declare that at that moment all the world's religions are one. I learned about that on August 18, 1991. Fast forward to last year when that news story appeared that this combination center was under construction and would be open in 2022. And there's already been this move to combine the three major religions of the world, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, that's been going on for several decades. You talk in the video that the plan is over 25 years old, and they have a New Jerusalem covenant. Would you elaborate on that? Well, the New Jerusalem covenant plans out the entire process of uniting the world's nations and religions in Jerusalem. And a Masonic or New Age Christ is going to appear at the end of a world war, and he's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to ride in on a donkey, recreating the Palm Sunday event. And he's going to declare that he is Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah that the Muslims have been waiting for, that all the world's religions have been waiting for. And the key to uniting the people of the world prior to him appearing, enough so that they will accept him, is the worship, the veneration of the Virgin Mary. Protestants revere the worship of Mary. We revere her. We don't worship her. But by golly, the Muslims and the, the Catholics really, really worship her. And in fact, all the world's religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, etc., they're all centered around a goddess figure, too. Mm. So the worship of the Virgin Mary is extremely important in uniting these people in uniting the world's religions. And that's what we see coming to a head in this combination worship center. After having reported on that 25 years earlier, I really was excited when I saw that article that the combination worship center is under construction and is slated for dedication in this year. Well, it does certainly seem like the stage is being set for the rise of the Antichrist and false prophet. And I'm sure everyone listening will want to have a copy of the DVD, False Prophets Soon to Step on the World Stage by David Bay. You can get yours right now by calling 1-800-652-1144. That toll-free number once again is 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online at swrc.com. This is James Collins reminding you that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The false prophet and the coming one world religion are examined in the documentary film, False Prophet Soon to Step on the Stage. In this documentary, David Bay exposes how the global elite have devised a mechanism by which they intend to finally form the one world religion. What is that mechanism? 
Find out when you get False Prophet soon to step on the stage. Order your copy by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can always order online, swrc.com. Tomorrow, Mac Dominic is here to take us on a journey into the unique satanic phenomenon that possessed and empowered Adolf Hitler, his Nazi religion, and World War II. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily podcast. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.